Every day in America, approximately 22 veterans, first responders, or crime victims commit suicide. That number is a staggering amount and constantly increasing. Get involved in offering solutions to the men and women who so bravely take an oath to protect and serve the lives of Americans. Now, a word from our sponsors and then our host. Welcome to Crisis in America, PTSD, and Veteran Suicide. I'm Sean Flynn, and I'm here today with my co-host, Colonel Mike Brown. I want to bring the audience back to the purpose of this show. With the return of over 2.7 million veterans from Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan, and other recent, oftentimes multiple war zone deployments, America's solemn responsibility to care for our returning heroes is a more important mission than ever. Regrettably, the suicide crisis that has endured and markedly increased in our veteran community over the past decade stands as a stark reminder that we must redouble our efforts to address continued gaps in veterans' care. Crisis in America PTSD and Veteran Suicides podcast series purpose is to bring back suicide awareness, education, understanding, and the needed changes and solutions on this epidemic plaguing our nation. Today we are going to be talking about spirituality. Why spirituality? America, because the causes and symptoms of mental illness are complex. And Colonel Mike and I believe that religious belief and spirituality to be a positive factor in patient-centered health care, and it needs corporation to help to ensure a truly holistic, bio-psychosocial spiritual model of treatment is given to those that are suffering from PTSD and moral injury, especially for veterans and first responders. Through our research, we know the facts, and that is serving the spiritual needs of our veterans and first responders is well supported by a large and highly developed network of military chaplains and spiritual advisors. Beyond the personal benefits associated with positive spiritual coping, spirituality engenders a sense of connection, a connection to something beyond ourselves. Whether a higher power or a community that both functions a lifeline when experiencing personal from PTSD whether a higher power or a community that both functions a lifeline when experiencing personal from PTSD and moral distress. This is a fact-based show and we encourage your feedback and to share with us your ideas and solutions because left to big government, I'm afraid we're not going to see the changes our country is demanding as the last 12 years has only seen an increase in the suicide numbers amongst our sons and daughters of this nation who so bravely defended it when called up. Colonel Mike, would you say a few words before we get started? Sean, great to be on the air with you again. You were so right above, you know, there is a reluctancy in our culture to address spirituality in our intervention treatment programs for our veterans and first responders. I don't understand why either. You know, they're suffering from moral injuries and PTSD every day. Even though our physicians have a moral obligation to address patients' spiritual concerns, there's still a resistance. In a recent article, and again, Sean, you, you brought it up front, we're a fact-based show. We're not making this stuff up. It was written in military medicine, even stated that spirituality is often the first coping and most used coping mechanism when facing a health concern or a trauma or even stress, Sean. And secondly, I know this was true in my own army experience. In combat, you have an issue going on, a loss of soul, a loss of an injury, a loss from a fellow member going down, 
the Army chaplain was always there. And I know talking to my grandfather in World War II, both grandfathers who served, that was the same situation they had as well. And back in Garrison, America, that means back home, the chaplain was always there too. Whether you had a personal problem, whether you had a family problem, whether you had a marital problem or a relational problem, every brigade, battalion, down in the company level, had chaplain resources. There was always a chaplain there for spiritual issues. So I don't get it. There are professional personnel commanders are with every day. And so why not today? Why not for them? So with all that said, Sean, it only makes perfect sense that spirituality is critical to the healing process. It's a part of the military culture. So why not now? So I'm excited to have this discussion here today with you, Sean, definitely. You and I are spiritual brothers. We've been part of each other's lives for a pretty long time now. And I know it's the right thing to do. I think America knows it's right. I think it's long overdue. I think this discussion of spirituality treatment is long overdue. Spirituality care needs to be added to the clinical care treatments. And we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about the hard truths. Like you say, Sean, we're going to skate the Raiders edge right here on this show today. And for veterans, for you veterans out there that are suffering from PTSD and moral injury, we got your back. We're going to get it to you right here. Hey, Sean, before we get started, um, can you uh, bring us up to speed on some of the medical conditions that require spiritual therapy? I think a lot of folks out there get confused. And, uh, you know, especially what, what does a spiritual injury really look like? Thank you, Mike. The timing couldn't be more perfect. So if there's any agencies out there listening, the commanders within those agencies who also serve on the front line, this includes the veterans out there. This includes those in administrative positions uh, within the uh, military. This includes number one, our first priority, is any of you first responders out there listening. This is why this is important. So Mike mentioned spirituality. And many shows back, see, in our, in our population of first responders, see, there's this, this stigma that Mike and I know has to be overcome. This stigma that we shouldn't ask for help, this stigma that we're supposed to figure it all out on our own, this stigma that PTSD and what leads to that, which is alcoholism and addiction. See, the stigma and the label is that we are somehow unfit and not strong enough. And thank you, Mike, for bringing this up because right now I want to expand a little bit on what you said. I want to expand on, on PTSD and alcoholism and addiction, okay? Yes. Within, within the population of first responders. and. It's important because right now, see, Mike, you and I, we're spiritual brothers. We're links in the chain and humbly shared, humbly shared. You and I, Mike, understand that how we healed actually was, number one, we had to get medical help first. And we had to get our bodies healed physically, okay? Because we had 
unfortunately, when we first went to go ask for help, we needed those doctors to help us detox our body, to help us get our thinking back to normal, get our, make sure our, our, our heart rates back to where it needs to be. But here, here's what I'm talking about folks out there listening. This is why agencies out there and medical professionals out there need to be more open to, and again, I humbly say this, see Mike and I, Colonel Mike and I, we are recovered today and we continue to be recovered because after all that said and done with the medical assistance, what keeps us from bleeding out from the real moral injury, the amputation from legitimate PTSD, from a career of being in front of what is not normal. That's called trauma. And how Mike and I were able to start that healing is through a safe environment, a safe environment to where we could relate. We could actually feel safe speaking to someone who could relate. See, what I'm saying is, is that it's important that we start to create environments within our agencies, within the military, to where our men and women can go and feel safe and open up because what happens is, is we start to hide these traumas and we start to bury these traumas. And they're real. And if we cannot go somewhere and open up because we are human beings, the healing, the healing cannot occur. The healing needs to be forever, and that comes through sharing, that comes through relating, that comes from spiritual remedies, that comes from right now. See, what I'm talking about right now was taught to me by former warriors who I could relate to. That's how all of a sudden I was willing, that's the reflection that I saw. I saw the reflection within those men and women, and they could relate. So then I was able to then share. And when I shared with them and I opened up and I was willing, they taught me how to heal. They taught me what to do. I do those things every day. Now, this show is only 30 minutes, 45 minutes. That's the spiritual permanent medicine. I'm not talking about the medicines that we get when we go in and we say we're struggling with depression or we're struggling with whatever we're struggling with. I'm not talking about ingesting medicine. I'm talking about continued spiritual daily work that helps us remain spiritually fit. And there's nothing more beautiful than that, those kind of atmospheres. So now, Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you, but I I can see that now we are starting to open up. I think people within these agencies are starting to open up and see the need for these kinds of safe environments. And don't get me wrong, medical person out there listening, I totally understand. I mean, this is severe. See, what happens is for first responders who rely on their brothers and sisters on their right and left in such dangerous times, in such tragic times, in such of a continuous fight in the resistance of light versus dark, okay, we need to be able to be around our brothers and sisters who have healed from this and to show us how to do that. And Mike, I'll turn it over to you. Um, I'm very passionate about this and uh, I, I believe in it because see, you and I are on this podcast today as a result of those that went before us who taught us how to spiritually stay fit and how to get through that darkness to come back to the light. 
And uh, don't get me wrong. I understand that as we get older, you know, I, I've had a couple of heart surgeries. I need to listen to my doctors. I need to uh, take certain medications, you know, for certain conditions that I have. 100%. I'm talking about recovering from PTSD, moral injury. Okay. I'm talking about those amputations and those wounds from that trauma that's deep down in the soul. Mike, mm -hmm. take it over for me. Sean, talk as a nation, we need to be more than just acknowledge the problem. We do a lot of acknowledgement. I'm not sure we do a lot of action, meaningful action. We need to implement and sustain meaningful approaches. And that's what Sean and I are talking about. That's what Sean's talking about. What you just heard is what Sean's getting into. And not only to just address it and actionable, we have to reduce the risk and promote this life that Sean's talking about, this beautiful life that he and I are sharing these days. Because the life is worth living. But you have to have the full modularities of treatment. And that's one of those I'm getting ready to talk about spirituality. Spiritual injury. America, listen to this. And have an optimistic mindset when you do. Because it's real. Spiritual wounds run from the surface wound to the deep wound. And if it's left untreated, like any wound, it will kill you. Spiritual wounds cause PTSD. They cause suicide. They cause depression, leading to major depression. They cause anger. They cause aggression. They cause anxiety. Leading cause for decrease in quality of life and other mental well-being issues for our veterans and our first responders. All those variables equal one thing at the end of the day, death. Now let me tell you about these three categories. A spiritual concern is an injury. I relate that to a superficial wound, a physical wound. Spiritual distress, I relate that to broken bones. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm just gonna give you some comparisons. Spiritual despair, that's the, that's the mighty wound. That's an amputation Sean just talked about of the spirit. What are those look like? Well, a superficial wound, you could be given an order in combat to clear a house and, and shoot, a, shoot the kill order. Now, you may never have to do it, but that's your order. Spiritual distress, those are those broken bones. What, what happens? You're witnessing the destruction of a village after a bombing raid. Going in, seeing the fires, the pilferage, and how about the amputation? The most severe one. The spiritual despair wound. Seeing women and children killed in a combat zone. 
John. Colonel Mike, thank you. And um, I have hope. I can see it gradually starting to happen. I'm grateful to be on this share here today. Let me just try to paint the picture for those out there that might be having a hard time to relate. But I know that, number one, there are some first responders out there listening right now. That's number one. And I hope that our reflections can be felt. And number one, if there's a first responder out there listening, if you can feel the reflection coming through Colonel Mike Brown and I, who represent the tribe of first responders, the tribe of peacemakers, and if you're struggling, here's where it starts. It starts by reaching out. That's called a reflection to where you really want to go, which is back to being free. So if there's anybody out there right now that can feel the reflection within Colonel Mike and I, okay, at the end of the show, I want you to reach out to us because I'm going to tell you the truth. That's how my life was saved, was through a reflection on a podcast, okay? I was in the darkest of the darkest moments trying to come back to the light, doing it by myself, couldn't figure it out. The reflection that I needed to hear that day gave me the courage to reach out. His name was Charlie Miller. Now, let me explain this to you. I reached out for Charlie. I didn't get to the point that I'm at now where I'm free in spirit and where I can function and where I can be useful and teach other warriors how to heal. It took me three years. That's how hard this road is. And it took some failure in between that first time when I reached out in 2017 because I wanted to live. So what I'm talking about now, let me go back to what Colonel Mike's talking about. This is where it's important for agencies to start thinking about how we can create environments after our first responders get that medical treatment. You can't just leave it at that. We have to start creating safe environments within the entity to where first responders can go sit down in front of those that have walked this path and be taught on what it takes and what needs to be done. And that's how we do it. See, we do it together because what Mike's talking about is it's, it's not something that you can just say, hey, go get detoxed, go get some medical treatment and come back. We're talking about lifelong injuries from this kind of trauma because of the nature of our jobs. Now, again, there's civilians out there listening. Don't get this misunderstood. We are human beings just like you. We're not we are human beings. We're not above or below. But what I'm saying to the agencies out there that represent first responders, we got to get over the stigma that we can just get over these things by our, ourselves and that we can just rely on medical treatment to get us through this. We need to start actually encouraging this kind of environment to where you, what you do is, is you bring in you bring in warriors such as Colonel Mike Brown. You bring in warriors that have been there, done that, or who are walking the talk who have actually recovered from PTS, from alcoholism, from these struggles. And what you do is you start creating those peer environments in conjunction with the medical representatives of those agencies. And let's start making it okay and safer for our men and women to reach out so they can actually get the help that they need. Mike, I know you're going to take this a little bit deeper, but yes. – uh, I could talk about this for a long time, and it's sad because I'll say this to the commanders out there that are listening, to those out there that are in these agencies, 
I know you're getting tired of trying to catch up to this epidemic because what's happening out there is our men and women, they get crossed up. They get crossed up as a result of being in the resistance. The peacemakers, unfortunately, are under attack. And what happens is over time, they have a real disease and a real injury and it needs to be more understood and we need to be more open to having them come forward and being supportive so they can get their spirit back that happens that happens from eventually after all the medical treatment that happens just like what's happening right now between colonel mike brown and sean flynn warriors saving warriors and teaching and giving back what was given to us and we do it every day and that's so important colonel mike could you take over yeah, so Sean, you're exactly right. You know, like I said, we're down into the depths of we're doing this work for you, America. Because you need to understand this is about truth. We talked earlier about the medicine article that we had earlier. Now we're talking about spirituality. And these are all backed by facts. These physical injuries, we understand those. You know, Harvard talks about them. Spirituality, who talks about them? Well, there are organizations out there that talk about them. These injuries are real. We need you to understand a spiritual injury is a real injury. I need to make that a fact to you. Spirituality and mental well-being in combat veterans a systematic review has been studied. And so what we're talking about here today is not fiction. And what Sean's talking about and what I'm talking about, what I'm getting ready to prove to you, that spirituality care has to take place in order to address the suicide epidemic that's plaguing America today amongst first responders and veterans. Has to be. Sean, I would like to get into the study, if you don't mind, just to touch on it. I know we have time constraints, but you can always reach us at the end of the show. We'll leave our, our names and numbers and emails. We have the data, folks. So a past study on this matter was compared to the way psychiatrists and non-psychiatrists interpret the relationship between religious, spirituality, and health when addressing these issues. The doctors, the medical doctors, basically, and the psychiatrists, 2,000 of them came together to take this study under hand. That's who was male. That's who was, took this study. Folks, I'm not going to read it all in detail to you, but you know what really at the end of the day was? It was all about egos between the doctors and the psychiatrists. Doctors don't believe in spirituality. Psychiatrists believe in it more than doctors and have a more relationship with patients with spirituality. But at the end of the day, they believe spirituality for the patient's sake has relevancy, but they don't believe in it themselves to be enough that they should have it in their therapy. That's what the study came out to say. Unbelievable. Patients want it. So the hospital must truly embrace the idea to help in that they consider and respect 
the values of the patient. The institution must also acknowledge all the customer, the patient, of spiritual support. It also must embrace not only the patient, but the family, the caregiver, the healthcare staff. What's needed is cultural change. The study showed that the doctors in this study were prejudiced own beliefs on spirituality and they held it on their own beliefs from their patients. Folks, talk to me. Call me. I'll show you the study. Colonel Mike. Colonel Mike, if you don't mind, uh, I've got something I, I'm going to try to add without being uh, superfluous. Yes, go ahead, Sean. Okay, so I've been recently been able to be on the uh, the inside of, of an agency that cares, right? So I'm speaking, I'm speaking to those out there within agencies right now. And also, number one, first responders, listen up. Because uh, if you're suffering, there's, there, you know, there's no time to hesitate. Reach out and we'll get, you, we'll get you taken care of and we'll try to put dots together. It's going to be a long road. But number one, if there's anybody out there, and here's where I can have compassion. Because I used to be a former um, supervisor within a, a very large agency, 4,300 employees, right? So I can say this positively, those in the agencies, there are some folks out there actually with more than a lot of folks that actually care and want to do something about this. So it's not necessarily your fault uh, if you're not catching up to this right now, but listen, okay, I understand because you might have a hard time relating. What I'm trying to say right now is, is that in order to have continued care for these kinds of traumatic real injuries, PTSD, um, and all of the, the conditions that Mike mentioned as a result of careers as peacemakers, okay? It's very important to bring together those that are working within human resources and risk management along with the doctors. It's very important to bring in those former peacemakers, former first responders who have recovered and who are living a life free in spirit to put their reflections in front of the men and women. So what I'm saying is what can happen a lot of times is, is that the intention of the agency is to do something about it and you have different units, okay? You might have a civilian unit over an HR and risk management and then you have a command staff unit who wants to do something about this. Here's something that's very important to understand is once we raise our hand nowadays and we get, we get removed from our tribe, in other words, when we get shut down and we get asked to isolate and we're not allowed to open up, okay, that is a very dangerous thing for a former veteran and a former first responder. This is what I'm trying to say is, is that we took an oath and we dedicated our careers to that work of being so unselfish, to be willing to put our lives on the line. That's our team. And it's very important to understand that for that employee, for that veteran, when they get stripped from the team and they get shut down and they get put in isolation without support, without a reflection in front of them of somebody that they can actually speak to and trust, that's where it can get worse. It starts getting worse because of the fear, the fear that comes with having to raise your hand and now you're sent 
over to deal with the medical personnel, right? And now you're not allowed to talk about it, okay? Or because there's a thing that gets in the way, unfortunately, and this is a real thing, and I don't think it's going to change overnight. There's a thing called HIPAA. See, it's a law, and I understand that. I respect why that's in place. But somehow collectively, if we're going to actually start to catch those out there that are suffering to where they encourage them to come forward, there's going to have to be some real changes made to where they are not shut down and ripped from the tribe because that is a key. And Mike, I want you to explain why that's important because see, we're brothers, we're spiritual brothers, right? And losing our family and the fear of losing our family and our jobs is real and recovery from PTS and that kind of trauma and all those things, that is something that really, really needs to be carefully navigated as we try to help the veteran, as we try to help the employee, is making sure that they have to do their part now. They have to do their part to recover. But what I'm trying to say is, is that when putting them in positions to where they're not in front of a peer network or in front of somebody they can relate to and start to open up and trust, it's a various, very dangerous place for them to be. So I think it would be positive that as in the future that we start to explore the need not just to have the medical personnel and the HR personnel and the command staff all on the same page, also have a system in place to where it encourages more openness. Now, after that process starts, yes, it's going to be up to that employee or that veteran or that person to do their part. But I want everybody to understand out there that this is a very, very fragile part of the uh, situation for a suffering sick person to be removed from their brothers and sisters who they have taken an oath and been willing to die for when they get ripped from that it is just the same or worse as losing a family member that's how severe that trauma is colonel mike could you pick up on that yes sean that's called moral courage where i look at it from in america what that means in the spirituality healing process from healing from a spiritual concern wound or distress wound or despair wound is that you have to be open, honest, and thorough. And you shouldn't be persecuted during that process. And that's what that means. You have a moral courage to stand up. In, in layman's term, maybe that means face the music. And, and Colonel Mike, by the way, I'd like to remind everybody listening that this is not a religious talk here. This is not necessarily like where Colonel no. Mike and, and, and Sean are, are, we're up here acting as if we have all the answers. No, we're not doing that. We're basically, what we're saying is, is that we need collective help, but we also want to address the truth in long-term recovery of peacemakers. It's vital. It's vital to have a safe spiritual process and environment and peers available that, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about a bunch of guys getting around and guys and gals and telling war stories and just sharing experiences. I'm talking about sharing stories that can be helpful in a non-war story kind of way. I'm going to repeat that. Sharing stories that can be helpful in a non-war stories kind of way to where they can feel safe to start opening up. In other words, in that kind of way, we relate and we don't start making 
unfair comparisons because the truth is, is that if you're a veteran or you're a first responder, you've seen the worst of the worst. And so what I'm trying to say is, is that those kind of environments to where we can share and open up, don't get me wrong. We can share about the specifics of what we've seen and the horrors of what we've seen. Right. But it's not, it's not just a bunch of guys and gals getting around and, and sharing war stories so that uh, we can make ourselves, uh, um, you know, feel uh, like we're uh, above anybody. Exactly, Sean. What we're trying to say, too, is that we want to know what happened to disintegrate your own source of meaning and hope that led to the fracture of your own life, your spiritual life. And Mike, what what I wanted to emphasize right now is, is that yes, for a former peacemaker, for a former veteran, for a former first responder, when you're in front of a psychologist or a doctor that's been doing that their whole life, no disrespect, those are professionals, right? Amen. But the healing though, the healing and the, in other words, the probability of a peacemaker to open up, to start to cleanse the soul and identify specifically what it is that's troubling them in the front of somebody that they don't know that they don't they can't relate to it's not about it's not about saying that we're better than that doctor or whatever this is the key i talked about it earlier it's called a reflection it's called a reflection to where we look for the similarities of our experience and when we find those souls that have those reflections and that have recovered we are now going to start to trust and open up and we're all going to start, we're going to start the healing process. That's why what was mentioned in previous shows, reindoctrinating us back into life is so important to have these kinds of scenarios set up in conjunction with, with the medical professionals. It's so important because like I said, my life was saved. Colonel, Colonel Mike, my life was saved, not by me. It was by the reflection of many individuals but when it started i can remember when it started when i was home and i got sent home and i was left and i was ripped from the tribe and i didn't know what was going to happen didn't know if i was going to lose my job it started with the reflection of an individual that i saw and i could relate and i picked up the phone and i called him and the process started and charlie miller i love you if you're listening to the show i know you listen to our shows it started there and then it led to me getting in front of more peers to where I could more peers that have walked the, the talk, uh, walked the road that I've walked where we could relate and they've also healed. And they know what they did. They coached me up. They coached me back to being free in spirit. That's what I'm talking about. And again, sorry Amen. to get a little passionate, but I want to thank, I'm grateful. And by the way, that timeline of when that happened don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people in my life that have made a difference in my life. But when it came to what I'm talking about now, when a PTSD and brokenness and having and dying of a broken heart and being confused, I want to give credit where credit's due in my lifeline. It was a reflection from Charlie Miller that started this process. Then it led to Mike Brown. Then it led to numerous names that I'm not going to name right now out of respect for them. That's how I get to live today recovered, useful, and able to now make myself available, available. I'm not, I'm not a genius, guys. I'm just a soul, man. I'm a soul that's a peacemaker that took on the toll, and I took a knee in 2010, and I didn't even know why I was taking a knee, but I took that knee, 
because I knew something was wrong and I, I didn't have someone to coach me up. So I thought by changing careers and becoming a reserve, still hanging on, I thought that would heal me. My wounds were deep. They were real. And I needed someone else's reflection to pull me out of that permanently. And that's what I get to do every day here sharing with you, Colonel Mike Brown. You're my brother. I appreciate you. Sean, in America, this is why spirituality treatment has to be implemented in the medical care. Sean's a living, living and breathing testimony to why it works. I know I walked with this brother. I've seen the miracle happen. I've seen it many, many, many times. You know, we're about facts again, and I just want to get back. You know why some of the stigmas out there? The stigma is not between Mike Brown and, and Sean Flynn. That's not where the stigma lies, why it's not there. In this study that I talked about earlier, here's a quote from the author of the study. I found the overarching reason they ignore spirituality, even though it's important for the veterans. They recognize it's important for the veterans. They put their blinders up and say it increases guilt, anxiety, or the other negative emotions that lead to increased patient suffering. Did you hear patient suffering in Sean's voice? Negative. To the hospitals. To the psychiatrists. Stop speaking for the patients let the patients speak for themselves america you hear the patients speaking right here on this show sean final words colonel mike thank you and um um i'm just grateful i'm grateful and i'll say this out there to the to the uh military veterans and to the to the i'll speak to the institution if that's even possible those of the institutions of the first responders we get it right now you have to respond immediately proactively to the 911 call and guess what you have to do that and that's the priority that's the number one priority for the citizens out there is that that's the oath that we took so the priority number one is that we took on a job to protect and serve to defend our country right that's priority number one so what i'm saying to those leaders out there that are in charge of those agencies and i say this humbly i understand how busy you are and i understand what your focus has to be on which is that 911 response, getting ready for the big one to go out there and save lives. Wow, how unselfish is that? I want to thank you. I want to thank you guys for that. So what I'm saying is, is that Colonel Mike Brown's, Sean Flynn's are out there and there's many more. So guess what? We're available to help on the back end. We are ready to work. What I'm saying is, is you don't have to do it and figure it out all yourselves. Because guess what? You've got to be prepared every day. Like I used to have to put on the vest, do my press check, make sure everything was in its proper place to be ready for that big call. What I'm saying is we're available. And guess what? This is our life mission to save our brothers and sisters. So you don't have to figure it out all on your own. And you know why? Because you know what? I want to thank you because number one, number one, you're ready to respond right now to go out and save lives. So allow, allow, allow those out there that have walked this path to come on in, in service, be available. And again, guess what? We'll do this for free. That's the truth. I'm available for the rest of my life. You know why? Because somebody else did this for me and they gave it to me free. It's so important. Our men and women deserve it. 
And I say that with the most utmost certainty and intention for the rest of my life. The best thing that I could ever do for another first responder, another veteran, is to show them the path and to help them gain the courage to heal and to be free and back to where they belong, which is at their best, at their best. You guys deserve it. Leaders in those agencies out there listening, you deserve it as well. If you could somehow suspend the opinions, suspend the doubts, you know, I pray that you can hear the sincerity in my voice. I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. It's not, I'm not a genius. I'm just, I'm just grateful that I was able to get past the stigma and now turn my life into being useful. Colonel Mike, I could talk forever. You are my brother. Um, thank you, Deborah, in the background. And anybody out there listening, here's my phone number. My phone number is 561 Six four four five four five one. My email is sflynn nine one seven nine at aol dot com. You ready? I'm not a doctor. Okay, I'm not a certified counselor. I I carry the label, if there is a label for this, of a recovered, free in spirit, former peacemaker. Right, grateful that I had a chance to protect and serve. And I'm so grateful for you guys out there listening because that's the most unselfish thing that anybody could ever do would take on a career to where every day you have the potential in the, in the work duties that you have of losing your life to save another person. That is so unselfish. I am so grateful for you. And I'm grateful to those that have taught me how to get back to being who I am, which is a peacemaker that is grateful. Outstanding, Sean. Great final words from one of the best friends I know that I'm so proud to be a part of, of your life. Come a long way, my friend. Final words from me today. America, what are we asking you to do? What are these major public campaigns and announcements, what are they asking you to do? What are all the nonprofits asking you to do? Ask the question, America, and make sure that there is a solution, not just a promise or a banner. It is time, America, to listen to the generation of the past on spiritual healing and treatment to our clinical care facilities. The research has been going on for decades, and as early as 2019 shows its merits. Care group programs like Adaptive Disclosure and Spiritual Integrative Cognitive Processing Therapy are already being utilized out there. Therefore, there needs to be more spiritual treatment in our clinical care programs. No more excuses. No more quandering about it. Spiritual therapy has to be included. We've heard it today. God bless the United States of America. My final words, I would like to give a shout out to the Wounded Warrior Project which is a charity and veteran service organization that offers a variety of program, services, and events for wounded veterans of the military and their families. You know, for over 17 years, they've committed to the welfare and the priority is number one to our veterans. It is a real deal, folks. It is making a difference. I know it has in my life. And it is reducing suicides amongst our veterans. To contact them, reach out to WoundedWarriorProject.org. Again, WoundedWarriorProject.org. Quote, 
in a word, to let the spiritual, unbinding, and unconscious grow up through the calm. This is to be my symphony. William Henry Channing. End of quote. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to Crisis in America PTSD. All veterans, first responders, or potential guests, we would love to hear from you. Please email your comments to Colonel Mike Brown. That's brown.mike734 at gmail.com. Once again, brown.mike734 at gmail.com.